Well, our speaker this morning is Matt Allett, and I've been around here long enough to remember when Matt was a student here at Mount Calvary uh, Christian School, and he used to come to our youth group, and uh, we're excited that uh, God has directed his path back here to Mount Calvary Christian School. He is the director of our uh, spiritual life and the middle school and high school uh, Bible teacher. He also is one of our youth leaders, and I always enjoy sitting and listening to Matt teach God's word. And the thing I preach about Matt is, is that he loves God. And, and he desires to serve God with his life. And I'm excited for him to have the opportunity to share with us this morning. Matt, come and, and share with what God's laid on your heart this morning. Well, good morning. I always consider it a privilege. I don't get to preach very often, maybe once or twice a year. And I always consider it a privilege to uh, stand up here and open God's word with you. Uh, it's just an exciting thing for me. Um, as we begin this morning, I want to start off with a little story. This is a true story, and it is about me. Um, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to play on the golf team. And playing on the golf team, sweet deal, right? I mean, every day after class, you go out with your buddies, you play golf, nine holes, sometimes 18. You get to miss class sometimes to go to matches. Not that I like to miss class, Dr. Shear, don't, don't confuse that, but what a sweet deal. And so I remember a, a tournament in particular that stands out in my mind. It was our conference championship uh, my junior year, and I have no idea where the course was. I don't know what its name is. I have no idea. I can't remember what I shot that day. There's only one thing in particular that stands out in my mind about that tournament. And what stands out in my mind about that tournament that day was the weather. Maybe you've experienced this. The, the trip was about a three-hour drive, and so we got up early in the morning. We left school. We drove down. We get there. We open up the van door, and it was like, <gasps> the humidity, the heat was so extreme. Have you ever experienced that, where you open up the car after you've been driving for a long time? Maybe you're heading down to the beach down south somewhere or something, and you get out, and you're just like, <gasps> I can't breathe. It's so hot. Well, it was one of those days. And so we get out and we're thinking, oh, great, it's going to be a long day, right? I mean, I love golf, I love to play, but to play when it's 98 degrees and when it's, you know, 72% humidity, it's like, this is going to be awful. And so as we're getting ready to tee off, we go down to the range to hit golf balls, and my coach gives me two bottles of water. He says, okay, Matt, these are yours. I'm thinking, okay, cool, I get two bottles of water, that's good. It's like, okay, I better ration these, right? I have to make sure that I don't drink these bottles of water too quickly. And so I get down to the range, and so I'm hitting some balls, and it's getting close to my tee time, so I think, okay, I better go uh, up to the first tee to get ready to tee off. And as I'm going, I look down, and I realize that I only had half a bottle of water left. Like, okay, I haven't even started my round. I've already had a bottle and a half of water. But it's no big deal, right? Because on most golf courses, if you've never been there, they have coolers on the course where you can go and fill up your water bottles and get something to drink. So I thought, okay, no big deal. This is all right. And so we tee off, and we're walking up the first hole, and it is, I mean, the sun's beating down. It's so hot. I'm sweating profusely. There's a guy in my group. This is a true story now, a guy in my group. He's a bigger fella, and he's sweating a lot. And we're walking up the first hole. We haven't even gotten to the first green yet. And he says, you know what, guys? This is too much for me. I'm out of here. And he just left. He just walked off. First hole. Like, wow, okay. So the rest of us, there were two other guys in the group. So the three of us kept playing. And it's hot, and we're sweating, and we're thirsty. My water's quickly gone. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we're getting ready to go up to the fourth tee, and there it was. 
and it was like the angelic voices in my brain, right? You've ever, you've had, you have those, right? Where it's like, ah, like there it was, right? The water cooler. I'm thinking, yes, this is wonderful. And so we're kind of walking, trying to keep it casual, pretending like, you know, we're not that thirsty. And all of a sudden we're like speed walking and we want to get there first. And so I get there first and I get my bottle of water and I put it under the spout and I push the button and nothing happens. You want to talk about a depressing moment. Oh, no. So I push, nothing happens. What do we do? I was like, okay, uh, it's time to start panicking, right? And so we keep playing. Not to worry, there'll be another one. It'll be okay. So we, we get to about the eighth hole. There it is again. The angelic voices were a little less the second time. So it was like, uh, you know, it wasn't quite, uh, it was more, uh. And so it's, there it is. And so we're, we're again speed walking. We're like, I got to get there first. I need this water. And so I get there first. I put my bottle under the spigot. I push the button. Nothing happens. It's empty. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you've, you've been in a situation, whatever it might be, where you've been so thirsty and you think relief is going to come and then it doesn't? I want you to think about this morning, what are those things in your life that are your deserts, that are your dry and weary lands? Maybe you're here this morning and you're depressed. You think, man, we're living in a, a dry and weary country right now, right? With all of the political turmoil, the uncertainty that's, that's awaiting us in the next few months. Maybe you're here this morning and there is some desert involved in your work. Maybe you're going through something difficult and you feel like there's no relief in sight. Maybe you're here this morning and it has to do with your family or other relationships. Maybe here at church. And you just feel like the, this intense heat, this intense dryness and fatigue and weariness on your soul this morning. What do you do in those situations? How do you handle that? We're going to be in Psalm 63 this morning. And Psalm 63 is going to give us three steps to living in a dry and weary land. Three steps to living in a dry and weary land. Before we get to those steps, let's read Psalm 63. If you have your Bibles or your devices, please turn to Psalm 63 if you have not already. We're going to read the entire thing. Three steps to living in a dry and weary land. Let's read Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your glory and your power. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. 
But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Let's pray before we get into this psalm this morning. Father, you know our hearts. You know what situations, what what troubles, what struggles, what baggage we carry with us to church this morning. Father, many of us are in a dry and weary land, and we feel those pressures every day. And Father, I pray that as we look at the words of David in Psalm 63, that this psalm would encourage us, that it would give us the strength we need, it would give us the knowledge we need to come out of those deserts. Father, I pray you'd encourage our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Three steps to overcoming a dry and weary land. Three steps. One, be thirsty. Two, be satisfied. And three, be confident. That's our outline for this morning. Be thirsty, be satisfied, be confident. Let's start with verses one and two. Be thirsty, be thirsty. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Let's talk about the historical background of this passage for a second. David here, as it says in the notation at the beginning, which is, as, as most of us, many of us know, is a part of the inspired word, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Judah David spent a lot of time in the desert, in the wilderness. In fact, he spent on three occasions, biblically we know, three situations where he was in this exact desert. One, when he was a young man, when he was a shepherd, he spent some time in the desert of Judah tending the flocks, probably practicing his harp. Two, he spent some time in the desert of Judah on the run from Saul. And in fact, it's neat that in Sunday school we talked about some of his life as he's on the run from Saul. And there's a third situation, which is when I believe this psalm was written. The third, he spends time in the desert of Judah when he is on the run from his son, Absalom. Now, Absalom, David's son, attempted to overthrow his father's kingship. He wanted to be king himself. And it's interesting the way he did it, right? Some things never change. He said, he told the people, my father is not for you. He's gone all the time. He's doing this and that. His attentions are divided. I will be a man of the people. I will be for you. Now we get that a lot today, right? From both sides, from our politics, right? So this is really one of the first political uh, coups, if you will. And so David finds himself again on the run from Absalom. He is fearful for his life. Absalom's camp is gaining ground, and and David is concerned, and he writes this psalm. I want us to think about, so as we think about David, what caused his thirst was being in the wilderness on the run from Absalom. What's causing your thirst this morning? What's causing your thirst? Again, it might be the, the state of our country. It might be the state of your family. It might be the state of our church. What is it that's causing thirst for you? 
First of all, I don't think David saw these, this situation as necessarily a bad thing. I don't think we should either. Anything that causes us to thirst, to have a desire for God, is not a bad thing, right? So David is on the run, but he recognizes, you know what? Yes, my situation is bad, my circumstances are bad, and in many ways they're beyond my control, but my soul thirsts for God. So whatever that situation is in your life this morning, or maybe it's multiple situations... Are they drawing you? Are they causing within you a thirst for God? That's why God puts them in our lives. Right? James tells us that it, be joyful when you fall into various kinds of trials, right? Because the trying of your faith produces patience. There's a reason why we go through these things. God has a plan for it, and it is to bring us closer to him. So what's causing thirst? Is it, whatever that situation is, is it causing you this morning to thirst after, to pursue God? So that's the cause of thirst. The cause of thirst for David was being on the run from Absalom. The cause of thirst for us could be any number of things. Secondly, under be thirsty, the solution to thirst, the solution. Notice in verse 1, we, we already read this, he says that my soul thirsts for you. Notice verse 2, this is the key when, it talks, when, when we think about how we are to be thirsty. Verse 2, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. David had already prepared himself to thirst for God when he was in that situation. What kind of groundwork have you laid in your life? What kind of groundwork are you laying in your life even now to prepare you for what you might face? David recalls time that he has spent in worship of God. He says, now I'm in this desert, but I remember. I remember being in your sanctuary I remember worshiping you. I remember seeing your power and glory previously in my life. We're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath, right? Talk about a, a difficult situation. Do you think that David ever thought about that throughout the rest of his life? I think he did, right? He probably thought about it a lot. Well, God, you know, you, you helped me with Goliath. You know, you gave me the victory. You produced the result. Now, you know, here I am again. I think you thought about it a lot. What do you go back to when you're in those deserts? Is there a moment in your life where God did such a spiritual work in your life that you know, there's no way you, know, you could have done it on your own? Do you think about those? The Bible talks a lot about stones of remembrance, right? especially in the Old Testament, that served as markers to say, oh, remember what God did. Remember what God did. So as we think about the solution, the solution is preparing ourselves through worship. What was your mindset as you came to church today? What was my mindset? Unfortunately, if you're like me, a lot of times, you know, my wife and I have four young kids. We're just trying to get here on time, right? 
But do we pause? Do, do, do we go to bed early enough the night before? Do we get up early enough where we can settle ourselves before coming here and pray and ask God to do a work in our hearts? What do you think about as we're worshiping, as we're singing together? It's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? Do you allow the worship that we have to lay that foundation so that when you're in the desert, you're thirsty for God because of what we've done here? This is our sanctuary, right? And when we do a lot of incredible things here, but you know, gathering here, listening to the word of God and worshiping together and praying together, what a blessing. Are you allowing that to lay the groundwork? Are you allowing that to prepare for you, to prepare you for the desert in your life? It is that worship that assures us of God's greatness, right? Just like David, I beheld your power and your glory. So God is the solution to thirst. God ought to be the object of our thirst. So when we're stuck in these situations, when we find ourselves in trouble, step one, be thirsty. Now I want to leave you with some application for this part. I want you to look back at verse one again. Oh God, you are my God, earnestly... I seek you. Earnestly, the word earnestly, it's a really interesting word. Actually, more literally, it should be translated early. And in fact, in some of your translations, it might say early. Early. I want to challenge you by way of, of application. Start off each and every day this week recognizing your need for God that day. What a challenge. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, when you go to work, when you get the kids up, when you do whatever it is that God has called you to, before your feet hit the pillow, do you wake, I challenge you to wake up and say, okay, God, I need you today. I need you today. I tell my students all the time, get into a habit of preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Before your feet hit that floor, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross in my place for my sins and rose again. Help me to live in light of that today. Will you do that this week? Start tomorrow. Before your feet hit the floor. We need to recognize the world around us. We need to recognize the challenges we're going to face tomorrow. We need to recognize the opportunities that God is going to give us tomorrow. So start your day in prayer and recognize that. So step one, as we seek to overcome a dry and weary land, a dry and parched land, the deserts in our lives, step one is to be thirsty. Be thirsty. Step two, be satisfied. Be satisfied. Let's pick it up in verse three. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. 
Step two, be satisfied. Be satisfied. The first thing we must be satisfied with is God's love. Be satisfied with God's love. Verse 3, because your love is better than life. Do we really believe that? That God's love is better than anything else I could hope to have on this earth. The, the Hebrew word here for love, it's a, it's a pretty common one, but it's a very important one. The word is hesed. And it carries with it the idea of God's covenant keeping love. Basically, what David is saying is that God, your love that always keeps its promises is better than life. Think about all of the blessings, all of the promises that God has given us if you're a child of God this morning, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, right? He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. He's promised to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything you could ever hope to have, he will give you. Maybe not in this life. But think about all of those blessings, all of those promises. Does that motivate you to be satisfied? It should. It should. It's better than life. To this, Matthew Henry writes, this is kind of long, I'm going to read it twice, but I think it's so, so good. We have better provision and better possessions than the wealth of this world can afford us. And in the service of God and in communion with him, we have better employments and better enjoyments than we can have in the business and converse of this world. Let me read it to you one more time. We have better provision and better possessions than the wealth of this world can afford us. And in the service of God and in communion with him, we have better employments and better enjoyments than we can have in the business and converse of this world. Are you satisfied in God's love? Maybe you're like me. Sometimes I get into a trap of thinking, well, if I only had this, I'd be happier. If I only had this, I'd be more fulfilled. You know, some months, Julie and I, you know, we have four kids. We're barely scraping by. But you know what? We always have enough. It seems like whenever we get ahead a little bit, our car breaks down or something, right? Has anybody experienced that too? But it's fine because we always have enough. Are you satisfied in God's love? Are you content where he has you? Be satisfied with God's love. Secondly, be satisfied with God's help. Be satisfied with God's help. As we continue reading on, I want to draw your attention to verses 7 and 8. We're going to come back to, to verse 5 as we think about our application, but verses 7 and 8. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. As we think about being satisfied with God's help, David here gives us two illustrations. The first illustration, it's a common one in Scripture of a mother bird protecting her young. God is there to help us, to guide us, to protect us. He has his loving wings over us. 
The second illustration. The second illustration is a little harder to discern, but as you, as you do some study, when it says, my, my soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me, it's actually the language of a, an infant with a parent. The infant holds on to the mother while the mother holds on to the child. And so we get the sense of God as our father wrapping his arms around us, holding us up. As I said before, we have four children, and so I think about Benjamin. Benjamin, I mean, they're, they're growing up fast, <laughs> but uh, he's still a little baby. He needs us to, to hold him. He can't hold himself up yet. And often as I think about that, I think about the fact that he is so dependent on especially Julie. The, the illustration here is that we are to have the same dependence on God. That we can be satisfied with God providing for our needs every day. It's a powerful illustration, isn't it? Be satisfied with God's help. So... Step one, be thirsty. Step two, be satisfied. Be satisfied with God's love. Be satisfied with God's help. Let me leave you with some application. Let's look back at verse five. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. When you and I are satisfied with God, it's like us having a full belly. Sometimes when we go out to eat or it's Thanksgiving or something and I eat way too much, I tell Julie all the time, I'm never eating ever again. <laughs> I get so full, I think, oh, just the, the thought of having one more bite, oh, I can't do it. I'm never eating again. But you know what happens a few hours later? Yeah, I get hungry, right? In the same way, God satisfies us and the richest of foods that are at our disposal is the Word of God. Do you utilize the Word of God to sustain you, to satisfy you on a daily basis? My second challenge to you as, as we think about it, the first challenge was to start your day off recognizing God's needs. Start your day off with prayer. Tomorrow and throughout this week, I want to challenge you to be satisfied with the Word of God. Set some time aside. Go to God's Word. Study it. We need spiritual food to be satisfied. Notice also, as we think about an application, notice the language that's here. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. In your name I will lift up my hands. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. I sing in the shadow of your wings. Your right hand upholds me. He talks over and over again in this section about our worship. About our worship. Does your worship nourish you? Do you leave church? Are you going to leave church today feeling full? After you spend time in God's word on a daily basis, do you feel full? Do you feel nourished? Do you feel refreshed? I know sometimes it's a struggle for me, as I'm sure it is for many of you, to set some time aside to study God's word, but, oh, it's oh so important. It's what fills us up. 
So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to set some time aside? Maybe you're already doing it, but maybe you still feel like it's a little lacking. Maybe you feel like it's still a little dull. Whatever, you know, whatever struggles you might have with reading God's word, again, allow your worship of God to refresh you, to renew your mind. Step one, be thirsty. Will you commit to starting every day this week off in prayer, thanking God for the gospel that saved you, recognizing your need for God in that day? Step two, be satisfied. Are you willing to set time aside every day this week to spend time in God's word, to allow it to nourish you, to fill you as with the richest foods? And step three, be confident. I love the progression of the psalm, right? It starts off with being thirsty. We have this need, right? We have this desire. And then it moves to being satisfied where that desire in many ways is fulfilled, right? We are nourished. We are refreshed. And then step three is being confident as we move forward, as we go to face whatever that issue is, whatever that desert is, whatever that dry and weary land is. So step three in overcoming a dry and weary land is be confident. Be confident. First, be confident in God's protection. Be confident in God's protection. Let's start in verse 9, and we'll finish the psalm. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Be confident in God's protection. David recognizes that right now there are those who would seek to destroy him. And specifically at this moment in time, it's his own son, his own flesh and blood. But he recognizes that eventually his enemies will be destroyed, that God will protect him. Now we know that that protection does not always happen here on this earth. but we can still be confident that God is with us, that God is protecting us. One of the worst things that we can allow into our lives is fear. Fear is a very strong motivator, right? And often it motivates us to do the wrong thing. Fear. Some of us are here and we have reasons to be afraid, whatever it might be, with our country, with our jobs, with our church, with your family. Are you confident in God's protection? As I thought about this idea of fear, I looked up some phobias. These are some that I have, and I can't really pronounce them, but we'll, we'll go with it. Uh, the first one, cacorophobia. Maybe some of you have this. It's a fear of failure. Fear of failure, right? We all want to succeed. Sometimes we don't do things because we're afraid we're going to mess up, right? Second one, maybe you have this. Erythrophobia is the fear of red lights. <laughs> uh, Julie will tell you, of the two of us, I tend to drive a little more speedily than she does in the car. And so maybe I have a fear of red lights, I don't know. And this, this third one, this is my favorite. I don't know what the definition of ironic is, but I'm pretty sure that this falls into that category. All right, here's the, the phobia. Hippopotamonstra sesquid, 
Pedaleophobia is the fear of long words. That's ironic, right? Maybe they could have picked something better. So afraid of it, I can't even pronounce it. Now, some of those are obviously uh, lighthearted, but the point is that we all have something that causes us fear in our lives. I remember when I was 13, I had just gotten saved, and we were going to a Christian camp for, the, for a week for the summer, and there was a speaker who was talking, and he was talking about some of these fears. I don't remember what, which ones he mentioned, but they were kind of funny, like the fear of falling out of your bed at night, like that's actually a fear that people have. Maybe you do. I'm not trying to make light of it. Um, but then he got to a final one, and it was the fear of witnessing. And you know what? After all the silly fears he shared, everyone was laughing, carrying on, having a good time. He said, oh, this is the fear of witnessing. Hush. And he said something very powerful that I'll never forget. He said, shouldn't that fear be just as laughable as the others? Whoa. And he shared a verse. I want to share it with you. Now, I know that witnessing is just one fear, but I think it's one that a lot of us, myself included, struggle with, right? The, the fear of going up to someone and saying, hey, you know, let me get to know you. Let me talk to you. But he shared this verse. It's my life verse, Psalm 118.6. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? So whatever it is that you might be afraid of this morning, whatever difficulty you might be facing, whatever is going on in a dry and weary land in your life, know that there is no reason for us to fear it because God is with us. We have God's protection in our lives. We can be confident in that. Secondly, as we conclude, we can be confident in God's vindication, in God's vindication. Verses 10 and 11, they will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Now, I want to give you some caution here, right? It's very easy for us in our sinful humanity to look at someone who's not living right or maybe is persecuting us and we think, oh yeah, someday you're going to get yours. Someday you're going to get it. It's very easy for us to do that. That is not what David is talking about. I don't think that that's David's mentality as he's writing this. He wants that to happen because it shows that his God is real and true and just. Right. Another habit we need to get in is, is to ask God to return, right? God, please come back before November if you can, right? <laughs> but do you pray for God's vindication that someday God will be shown to be the one true God, that Jesus will one day be shown to be the one true Savior who lived a perfect life, who died for you and me and rose again. What a wonderful day that will be. It's interesting, often in the Psalms, as people are struggling with their deserts, and we've seen this in the Psalm this morning, they don't look at the present. They look at the past, what God has done, and we saw that earlier. 
in the sanctuary, David remembers, and they look to the future. Say, someday, God, you're going to return. Someday, you will be shown to be who you are, and everyone will see that. And someday, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Be confident in God's vindication. That we can look to the future and say, God, please return. Someday you will save me from whatever trouble, whatever desert this life has to offer me. By way of application for Be Confident, this last step, I want you to think about what your biggest fear is. What's your biggest fear? Now, we're not talking about fear of long words, although you might have that, or fear of red lights. What's your biggest fear that you're facing right now or maybe that you'll walk into tomorrow? I want you to write it down. Just take 15 seconds, write it down. What's your biggest fear? What is it that you find yourself trapped in? What is it that you feel like is is putting pressure on you to the point where you feel like you can't stand against it? I want you to write it down and here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to share it with someone this week. Will you do that? could be your spouse, parent, child. Share it with someone. If you're anything like me, I have a really hard time sharing what I'm struggling with with other people. In fact, we talked about it a few months ago in uh, Sunday school. I was actually moving towards neck surgery, but I hadn't really told anybody that my neck was bothering me. I hadn't told anybody. Because... I don't know, in my pride, in my foolish pride, I thought, oh, well, I don't want to seem like I need help or prayer. You know, I got my life together, whatever, right? And we do that. And we get into a trap, especially if you're like, maybe some of you don't have that problem. You're like, you know, but I do. And we have this problem of sharing what we're going through or sharing what we're feeling with others. I want you to do that this week. Pick out someone. Say, you know what, here's what God's been you know, God's placed in my life, I'm, I'm fearful about it, I'm struggling, will you pray with me? And do that with one person this week. Will you do that? So step one, in dealing with a dry and weary land, be thirsty. Step two, be satisfied. Step three, be confident. As we close, maybe you're wondering what happened in my golf tournament. Maybe you forgot all about it by now, I don't know. But uh, so we played a few more holes and we're walking up to, it was about the 14th hole and we look and we see a person who worked at the golf course filling up the cooler as we were approaching. So we thought, man, this is it. And so again, we start the whole walking fast thing. By the end of it, we all dropped our bags, say, forget those, forget our clubs, we don't need those. And we sprinted to get our water. And oh, it was the sweetest, most delicious water I've ever experienced in my life. Maybe not as good as a nice cold Coca-Cola, but pretty close. And to just think about that moment now, think about the satisfaction that that water provided. Do you and I experience that same satisfaction in God, in that relationship? So again, three steps. Be thirsty. Are you willing to wake up tomorrow before your feet hit the floor and recognize your need for God's help and go to him in prayer? Step two, be satisfied. 
Are you willing to go to the richest of foods, the Word of God this week? Set some time aside and read it and be nourished and refreshed. And step three, be confident. Are you willing to share your fear, your struggle with someone and allow them to help you bear that burden as you move forward in it? Be thirsty, be satisfied, be confident. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what a great opportunity it is to open up your word. We thank you for the example of David here as a man after your own heart who was in the middle of a struggle. And Father, we thank you that he has set forth for us a pattern to overcome these dry and weary lands that we find ourselves in. Father, I pray you'd help each of us to to apply what we've heard this morning to our lives. I pray, Father, that you would uh, continue to help us and lead us through, that we can confidently move forward in our struggles, in our deserts. Father, we thank you for the richest of foods that we've read this morning. And Father, I pray that we would have a thirst to worship, to seek you. We pray these things in your son's Jesus' name. Amen.